0: The prophets in general, having considered the two great non-writing prophets, Elias and Eliseus, it's worthwhile now before we consider the first of the non-writing prophets to look at the prophets in general. The prophets of Israel were not merely men who predicted future events. They were the religious leaders and the teachers of the Israelites. They themselves regarded their mission in this light. They wish, above all, to be men of God and to bring God to their people and their people to God. The Hebrew word for prophet, Nambi, bears out this interpretation because it means speaker, that is to say, one who speaks to men for God, in the place of God. According to Deuteronomy 18.16, a prophet is one who is raised up to take the place of God as regards the people. In other places he is called the messenger, the servant, the interpreter of God, or also one who stands in the council of God. The activity of the prophets was not confined exclusively to the sphere of religion and morals. Many of them interfered directly in the politics of the time. Occasionally, as in the case of Isaiah and Jeremiah, They even dominated the entire public life of the nation. This is not surprising when we remember that in Israel politics and religion were most intimately interwoven. The purity of the concept of God, as well as the permanence of the religious institutions, depended in great measure on the domestic and foreign policy of the rulers. Friendly relations and especially political alliances with foreign pagan nations were attended with grave religious dangers, as we know from the history of Solomon and Acab. Most of the prophets, however, shunned the court and appeared before the princes only when positively commanded by God. Nor did they on this account lose in influence with the people. Elias was anything but a court favourite, and yet he stood up as a fire and his word burned like a torch, as says the book of Ecclesiasticus. Of his disciple Eliseus, it said that he feared not the prince, and no man was more powerful than he, likewise in the book of Ecclesiasticus. After the glorious days of David and Solomon, the Israelites departed more and more from the ideal of the theocratic state, that's to say with God as its ruler and centre. Their religious, social and political life very much resembled that of the heathen neighbours, Signs of the approaching judgment of God were multiplying on all sides. In order to bring the deluded people to their senses and to save them from the impending day of reckoning, to prepare to the Lord a new morally purified Israel, this was the chief task of the prophets from before the exile to Babylon. But the prophets were not merely the storm birds of the judgment. Ruin and desolation were not God's last word to his people. Salvation is written on the reverse of the picture of doom. The hope of redemption through the expected messiahs and the glories of the messianic kingdom are themes that loom large, especially in the pages of the exilic and post-exilic prophets. The manner in which the prophets made known their message to the nation varied according to circumstances. Sometimes they uttered them aloud in a public place, it's no doubt an allusion to this practice that Isaiah is commanded to cry aloud, cease not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet, and show my people their wicked doings, and the house of Jacob their sins. Sometimes their predictions were affixed to the gates of the temple, where they might be read by all, was in the case of Jeremiah, Upon important occasions, when it was necessary to rouse the fears of a disobedient people, and to recall them to repentance, the prophets walked about publicly in sackcloth and with every external mark of sorrow and humiliation. By the most striking illustrations, they endeavored to attain their purpose. Jeremiah made bonds and yokes and put them on his neck to imitate the subjection that God would bring upon the nations whom Nabuchodonosor would subdue. Isaiah walked almost naked through the streets as a sign of the distress that awaited the Egyptians. Jeremiah broke the potter's vessel, and Ezekiel publicly removed his household goods from the city to represent corresponding calamities ready to fall on the nations which had incurred God's wrath. There were prophets amongst the Hebrews from the very beginning of their existence as a race. Abraham is called a prophet in Genesis 27. Moses prophesies, and a prophet is sent to the Israelites in the day of the Judges. When the pure theocracy was replaced by the monarchy, and especially when the kingdom of David was divided into the two rival kingdoms of Judah and Israel, with all the evils attending civil strife and political jealousy, prophets became more necessary than ever, and God did not fail to raise them up amongst his people. We distinguish two orders of prophets, the older or the non-writing prophets, whose ministry consisted mainly in oral teaching, in predicting events which were to be speedily fulfilled, and in working astounding miracles, and the later on writing prophets, who were commanded by God to write down their discourses and predictions. The greatest amongst the non-writing prophets were Samuel, the last of the judges, Nathan, the counsellor of David and the teacher of Solomon, Elias and his disciple Eliseus who during the dreadful days of Ahab and Jezebel stood up as fearless champions of God and his law. Beginning with Amos, who lived in the 8th century before Christ, we count 17 writing prophets. Four of these, owing to the greater extent of their writings, are generally termed major prophets. The others are known as minor prophets. Since the prophecy of Baruch, the secretary of Jeremiah, is joined to that of his master, We usually speak of the four major and the twelve minor prophets. The chronology or timescale of the prophets is a very much disputed question. In a few cases, we can give the very month and year in which they delivered their prophecies. But in most cases, we can assign only approximate dates for their activity. The following list is drawn up in terms of time not in accordance with the length of the prophecies which is how they are uh, divided up and put in order in the bible so the order approximately in time scale is Ose, uh, Amos Ose, Jonas, Isaias, Micah, Jeremiah, Sophonias, Nahum, Habakkuk, Daniel, Ezekiel, Agius, Zacharias, Abdias, and Malachias. Joel is uh, of an uncertain date and hard to place. Many of the prophets gathered their disciples into the so-called schools of the prophets. We read of such schools in Ramah, Bethel, Galgal, and Jericho. In these schools, the sons of the prophets were instructed in the law and trained to a holy life so as to be fit to become the spiritual guides of the people. But the fact of living in such a community did not necessarily involve the possession of the prophetic gift, still less did it give any exclusive right to it. The prophets were, as a rule, individually chosen by God from every walk of life and independently of any previous preparation for their mission. So we mustn't consider that all the prophets were once upon a time sons of prophets. It is possible that the many false prophets, who are so often referred to in the Old Testament, are to be traced to the schools of the prophets. These men had the whole external technique of the prophet's profession at their fingertips, but they lacked what was essential, i.e. that's to say a mission from God. Jeremiah had to fight against these impostors during the greater part of his life. Corrupted by pride, these foolish men followed their own spirit, often divine for money or to gain favour of those in power, and they led the people astray. The true prophet is described by Micah as a man filled with the strength of the Spirit of the Lord, with judgment and power to declare unto Jacob his wickedness and to Israel his sin. There are also mentioned in the Old Testament three prophetesses. Miriam, the sister of Moses, Deborah, who shared the judgeship with Barak, and Huldah, the life of Salem, who during the reign of the young king Josias announced the impending destruction of Jerusalem and the kingdom of Judah. Through the activity of the great prophets, the spiritual and intellectual life of the Israelites attained its height. Their works contain immortal religious teachings, clothed in language whose nobility and sublimity is surpassed by no other writings in the world's literature. The prophets of Israel occupy a unique place in the history of the religions of mankind. No nation, no religion of antiquity can point to an institution that can even remotely be compared with them.